For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. The Expertise Panel, brought to you by Dilma. Do try it. Yes, uh, this is your Dilma Tea Party this morning. And it is a party because we've got two of the very best media commentators in the country. Nikki Starris from News Hub, reporter and presenter, joins us. And Jamie Wall, author and journalist as well. Morena to you both, uh, Nikki. This is no offence to you, but I have to start with Jamie first. And that's because the producers have already uh, brought him into the panel. But Jamie, uh, the big shocking news across the weekend, of course, was the sad passing of Shane Warne. I saw a tweet from you that you started playing cricket because of this genius oh good morning Kirsty. good morning um nikki great to be talking with you both but yeah very very sad weekend uh, for the cricketing world and i think i think it's safe to say you know for everyone else as well because shane Warne was a guy who transcended his sport uh and is a, a real global icon um and yeah yeah way back when when i was a young Young fellow, a long time ago, um, was watching Australia play New Zealand in a test match at the Basin Reserve. And this was before Shane Warne had really ever done anything. It was before the famous ball of the century in that 94 Ashes series. Uh, and I was, uh, you know, being a kid growing up in New Zealand in the 80s and early 90s, I was taught that the Australian cricket team were the most evil people in the world and they'd <laughs> always cheat and don't have anything to do with them and everything. But, uh, you know, couldn't help ourselves. And my brother and I were on the boundary and saw this uh, blonde-headed guy there and we, we didn't really know who he was, but um, we sort of stopped and chatted with him and got his autograph. And he was really friendly, uh, really friendly guy. He wanted, to, he wanted to chat. He wanted to ask us, you know, what sort of bats we used and who we played for and what our averages were. And, and you know, got his autograph and thought, oh, Shane, well, I'll keep an eye on this guy. And I did uh, ever since. And, um, you know, followed his career really, really closely. Uh, and, yeah, like Smithy said in his, his piece, it was just absolutely devastating to hear. Um, mm. it, it's been a really rough time for, um, you know, people, sports stars, over the last couple of weeks that, uh, you know, we grew up with in the 90s and that, um, you know, guys who had just gone too soon. So it's really sad, you know, a lot of love to his family and friends and everything. Mm. And, uh, you know, he's just a, just a real icon. Absolutely. Nikki, sorry to make you wait. You know that I love you, uh, my Aries friend. Um, but I'll bring you in now. Uh, you've had a weekend of putting together a beautiful piece uh, in tribute to Shane Warne on News Hub over the weekend. So you've been able to talk to uh, many of his colleagues, many of his former teammates and those that played against him as well. What was the overarching feeling? Yeah, thanks, Kirsty. Uh, pleasure to be talking with you, my Aries buddy. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not going to lie. When I woke up at 7 o'clock in the morning to a text message from my producer, Tom, saying, really bad news and you're the lady of the day to write the story, I basically got up and I don't think I moved from the kitchen seat because I'm in isolation uh, until 6 o'clock that night. So it was a pretty um, taxing day. But, but, but what I did discover through my chats throughout the day to uh, the likes of uh, Simon Dool, Dan Vittori, um, 
uh, Brett Lee was that the overriding thing that people forget about Shane, uh, and I think you just touched on this, Jamie, was the his off-field work, and you know everyone reported his sort of indiscretions, but no one really talked about the time that he gave outside of cricket to to young people, to fans. He'd sit down, have a beer with you, uh, and and it's a shame that you know TV stories only allow you to put so much in because I think it would have been a really nice story to touch on, you know, a whole lot of that, and um, and I think the other thing too, I, I was trying to think back to uh, my my meeting with Shane it was slightly different <laughs> um, it was in the, when Scott was playing for the Black Caps and the Australians were in New Zealand and we were staying at the Novotel in Hamilton and uh, no better place to be particular- <laughs> That's debatable Kirsty um, anyway uh, I remember quite uh, distinctly standing at the elevator at the bottom uh, I was on the fourth floor and Shane got into the lift with me and the doors closed and between the ground floor and the fourth floor he basically hit on me and, and asked, me if I was happy, asked me if I was happy in my marriage <laughs> so you know that was, that was Shane you know he had these most piercing blue eyes and, and he had so much charisma uh, you know so he certainly uh, was well, he had a certain a lot of confidence, and that confidence uh, it obviously was you know shown on the cricket field, but also off. And, and I can tell you that I, I didn't accept his uh, offer, and I'm still happy <laughs> married to Scott. <laughs> but the other, I did one, one other. Down horny, horny. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, because I'd be a widow now if I didn't, wouldn't I? <laughs> but one thing I do uh, also remember from Scott's perspective is we were in England and. Uh, Warning was playing for Hampshire and Scott was playing for Middlesex and we were at Southgate which is a, a small it's a very small ground in north of London and I came along to watch the end of one of their four day matches and I sat right on the boundary so I was very very close to the action and Shane was bowling to Scott and the sledging that <laughs> that came out of that man's mouth yes. was just unbelievable like I sat there going how do you even play? How do you even concentrate when somebody is yapping like that it just to put you off your game? I mean, he was the master of that, and I think that also hasn't been touched on quite enough, and that was all part of his persona. So, you know, What was he saying? I think it's a massive loss. Oh, you probably don't want to know, Kirsty. There was swear words. There was, um, you know, sort of bad things said about your, your, your mother or your father or your friends or your ability to play cricket. You're a shit cricketer, Cyrus. You know, think typical cricketing sledging. And um, and I remember saying to Scott afterwards, crikey, how do you bat through that? He goes, ah, oh, it's just part of the game. You know, and the Aussies were, were masters at it. So, look, huge, huge loss for the world, I think, and, and, and for Shane's family and for the cricketing community. And, um, yeah, I'm still coming to terms with it too myself. Mm, it is shocking news that has literally rocked the world. Beautiful stories and tributes from uh, the two of you, though. And there will never be another Shane Warne. Uh, there is no doubt about that. Quick break for News and Sport with Emma, and then we'll come right back to our panel right after this. The Expertise Panel, brought to you by Dilma. Do try it. Oh, that's a lovely voice, isn't it, Logan? We are joined by Jamie Wall and Nikki Starris on the panel this morning. Uh, Jamie, I'll come back to you. Round three of Super Rugby. Well, it produced a lot of action, didn't it? I'm not sure where we should start, but I think the biggest news coming out of the weekend uh, is the fact that Roger Tuivasa-Sheik is injured. We know that he'll play no part in the Blues match uh, this Friday night. How big a loss is this for the Blues, and where do you think the Blues are at after uh, their first victory? 
Yeah, a really good question, actually, because I think that if you look at their first two games, they probably played about 10 times better in the one they lost than yeah. the one they won. Uh, and I think that Rogers' loss, obviously, it's, it's a big one, you know, but at the same time, he, he had only played two games, and they do have some pretty good midfield uh, cover there and the ability to push everyone in. So I think they'll, they'll survive. It's more, for me, the question about the Blues is their, their kind of way to know how to close out a game because they've, they've they snatched the defeat from the victory in the first one and did to replicate it in the second uh, off a couple of really, really boneheaded plays uh, at the end there. Um, so just I think it's a mental thing and I think it's a coaching thing. I think it's something that Leon McDonald really needs to address uh, because they can't get away with that sort of thing every week and they can't leave every game to the end and they need a really big statement performance um, this week where they've where they you know they wrapped it up with 20 to go and they can kind of do what they like and play the sort of arrogant, uh, confident Blues football that, we, that they're, they're known for over the, over the, over the years. So, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Um, but like I said, they've got the cover to, to deal with Roger. But all in all, it's a pretty ho-hum weekend of, of footy. Um, this, the games themselves didn't really uh, live up to much. And, yeah, really disappointed with the Hurricanes-Highlanders game. That, that game almost put me to sleep. To yeah, come. that was messy. So, Are you telling me you yeah. weren't entertained for 70 minutes in that game at Eden Park? Uh, I mean, there were some good tries, and I loved seeing my man Brad Weber. Um, yeah, he was brilliant, down a couple wasn't he? Times in his hundred, in his hundred. Uh, but uh, t- to be honest, most of that game was just errors and scrums. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, exciting finish, but uh, could could have been a lot better, to be honest. But to me, the, the real highlight of the weekend was the Fijian thrower uh, yeah. getting that one over the Melbourne Rebels. Really nice game. Yeah, well, what does that show, though? I mean, it was an outstanding victory for them in just their third Super Rugby game, uh, especially when they're competing against teams that have been in this league for a very, very, very long time. But what does this say about those Australian sides? Uh, well, it says that the Rebels are rubbish yeah. um, for a start. Uh, it does a, the, the rest of the Aussie teams, I think I'm not seeing much out of them to really make me think that they're going to be challenging for it at the end. Maybe the Reds, if they can get their act together. But at the moment, it does, really does kind of feel like two separate competitions anyway, and we're not going to know, get any sort of answers around those questions for another few weeks at least. So, yeah, uh, again, it, it's just Super Rugby's kind of doing it tough at the moment. Uh, it's a bit of a tough sell. Uh, just before we head back across to Nikki, um, who is the best side in New Zealand right now and who's second? I think I think you'd probably have to say the Crusaders uh, because they managed to put out a B team, uh, play badly and still win re- really comfortably mm. on Friday night in a game that was shaping up to be a bit of a banana skin after the start that one got. Uh, so they've definitely got the depth there and they definitely have the way and I alluded to the Blues you know, not being able to close games out the Crusaders certainly did uh, and they did it with about half an hour to spare so that's the sign of a quality team there that you can play badly and still get a big result like that so so they're up there uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of the Hurricanes they've been quite quite surprising um, so far I didn't have that much hope for them and the fact that they they were down to I think their fourth, 
fifth choice halfback and fourth choice lock yeah. uh, guy that just joined the team that day. Like that, that's pretty. That's a pretty good sign from them. It is. Yeah, it's interesting to know what's going on in that team. Maybe a little bit of COVID that hasn't been uh, announced yes. yet, but it seems to be going yes. through uh, every team, doesn't yeah. it? When they're down to their fifth hooker, you can only assume there is uh, a little bit of illness yeah. going on there. Just like the Super Rugby all picky as well, and we do hope that competition does go ahead and start on Thursday after the setbacks they've had. Uh, Nikki, we're going to come back across to you. The ICC Women's World Cup is underway, of course, the White Ferns. Uh, not the start that they wanted in that first match, but they get another chance today. Should they breeze through this one against Bangladesh? <laughs> oh, Kirsty, um, I think if they had uh, managed to pull off that West Indies game, I would sit there and say to you, yes, they're going to breeze through this because on paper they should be better than Bangladesh. Yeah. However, I, I have questions around the White Ferns' ability to... Uh, hold their mental strength in, you know, in these big matches. Um, you know, they had a, a fantastic 4-1 series win over India leading into the World Cup, and yet, you know, with six balls, one over left and six runs required, and, and, and they managed to choke like that and lose it, it certainly does put doubt into my mind as to how they're going to cope um, when, you know, when the pressure is really on. Let's only hope that today uh, the weather plays ball too because I believe that the forecast and my beloved Dunedin, apparently it's going to be raining. So um, I think uh, if they can manage to get a game, you know, whether it's rain reduced or not, that's actually crucial because you don't want to be taking tied points out of a match that, you know, you really should be taking two points from. Um, but, uh, you know, and here's the other thing, you know, they beat... Australia in yeah. the warm-up game. They chased down some horrendous total. Uh, and, you know, they've got them coming up also soon. So the key for me will be that the top four New Zealand bats women must fire, and they all must fire. We, I mean, we saw it through Divine against the West Indies, but unfortunately Bates, you know, was out really cheaply. You need Divine, Bates, and, and probably Amelia Kerr, to, you know, to fire on the day to really stand any chance of uh, progressing in this tournament. Um, but, hey, they've still got six games. That's the beauty of this format, you know, the league format. So um, whilst it's crucial, I still think it's early doors and, and let's hope they can pull one off today. Yeah, I know it's only early doors, as you say. Um, but, Jamie, how far through this tournament do you think they're going to get? Uh, talk before the tournament was semi-finals is what they were targeting. Can you see them making the semis or going a bit further? Yeah, I think so. I'm still confident in the White Ferns' ability to make the top four because, uh, you know, they have the home ground advantage, um, which is a big thing in cricket. Um, I, I think that Nikki's absolutely right. The, the bats need to start working, and they are capable of getting the runs, as we saw in that warm-up game. But the one thing that people weren't really talking about that warm-up game is they, they, they still did concede that massive total. So there's real question marks over the bowling attack. Um, what I am liking about this tournament so far is uh, the big scores. Um, oh, we saw a really good game on Saturday between Australia and England. Um, just some you know, really, really good cricket being played in that one. And I think those two are going to be the ones at the business end. I think most people, most people probably already presume that. Um, but also, I mean, I went down to Hamilton that day just to do a bit of um, bit of work out, outside, just um, talking to some Aussie fans about um, Shane Warne's passing. And it was really, really wonderful to see a lot of families and children uh, at that game. Uh, a lot of young girls there getting inspired by uh, what is it going to be going to be a really landmark tournament. And just hopefully by the end of it, we're going to be able to see some some bigger crowds. 
uh, in there because uh, it's a really inspiring thing for a lot of uh, young people uh, and a really reasonably priced tournament to um, go and watch. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, Nikki Starris, Jamie Wolf, for joining us on the Dilmar panel today. Dilmar celebrating 30 years of tea in New Zealand. You two have been absolutely brilliant, as always. <laughs> Thanks, Kirst. Thanks, Kirst. Thanks, guys. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.